Brand Spanking New Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Adams. As of this glorious Monday morning, Wilder wears a giant headdress, Joker plays tennis in the street, and MJ becomes a meme again. But we begin with three most important things that rocked our world and changed our perspective over the past seven days, or more specifically, the best of last week. First, the Clippers are a mess. They've lost four of five, including a nine-point home loss to the 12th place Sacramento Kings. Wait, did I read that right? Yeah, Sacramento Kings. Lost by almost 30 to Minnesota, an even worse basketball club. This is a team that everyone is saying destined for the finals, and they're losing by 30 to Minnesota. This is a problem. Everyone hyped the Clippers. Kind of like when Netflix overhyped the Santa Clarita diet that was canceled after a few seasons. For the record, if you ever put Drew Barrymore in anything, it's more than likely going to tank. You all say that 50 First Dates was a prized specimen, but again, it's with Adam Sandler. Drew Barrymore in anything is not good. When she pretends to be a vampire, it's even worse. That's the problem with the Clippers. They were the Santa Clarita diet of the NBA this year. They're hyped. A lot of pizzazz, a lot of excitement. In all reality, it's just a bunch of nothing. I was reading an article about how they have a plus 10.7 offensive rating when playoff PG3 and Kawhi play together. The problem is... They don't play together. They've only played 600 minutes together all season. True story. And you think that they're going to have this magical chemistry as soon as the first round starts off? No. When they don't play, they don't pay. Paul George cannot stay healthy. Two shoulder surgeries, a groin injury, a hamstring injury. I think he went out with turf toe the other night. This guy cannot stay on the floor, and that's a problem. Everyone makes a big deal about load management. Hey, how about you just try and make it three or four consecutive games in a row? Paul George can't stay healthy, and that's a huge issue for the Clippers. The biggest problem that they're facing is that they don't play together. Think about if you're Montrezl Harrell and you get off the plane and staff comes up to you and says, hey, Kawhi's not showing up tonight. How would that make you feel? Or you're warming up and you hear this memo saying, Hey, Paul George is out tonight. How would that come across to you? Think about how you felt when you're all excited about that date with a girl across the hall of your college dorm and she says, hey, I've got other plans, um, but how about you look at this teacup pig? Yeah, I'd be pissed too. Across the hall, the Lakers are all in. They're teaching Dwight Howard how to shoot free throws properly. They're disciplining Kentavious Caldwell Pope if he actually shoots. LeBron's diving after loose balls. They are all in. And the Clippers need to learn from their neighbors across the hall, the ones who have 16 titles and banners hoisted up in the rafters of the same building they share with them. Second, XFL ratings are down. Again, are you shocked? I know the biggest story over the weekend was that Cardell Jones lost his first game in his professional career to a team that decided their uniform colors would match the vomit that came out of my son's mouth this morning. Excuses are rampant as to why their ratings are down. It's the first season. Let's just give it time to marinate. Let's treat it like a home stew. Let's just let it brew. Besides, there are so many other things to worry about that are on the airwaves tonight. What? Minnesota-Denver on NBA TV? The uh, Auckland Rugby semifinals? Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 11? Look, I know I like football, but I'd rather watch Larry David look like an idiot than the DC Defenders. What do you want to watch? Two Japanese athletes on a riveting duel badminton? Which, for the record, try just not watching badminton for two minutes. It's incredible. I honestly would rather watch the trailer to Stranger Things Season 4 
then the second quarter of the most hyped-up XFL matchup this season. I'm listening to FS1 this afternoon, who, for the record, is one of their sponsors. And on the air, he's talking about how the ratings are down, but he says it's not really that big of a deal. Nothing else is going on. And then he can't actually name the team that he's talking about. And he's talking about how the vomit is the color of their uniforms that we should be worried about. Look, I want people to have a chance. I want people to succeed. As a Buckeye lover, I do not want Cardell Jones to ever lose another game. But when your best product can't even get 740,000 people to tune in, it's not going to work. We'd rather watch the Combine than the XFL. We'd rather watch Chase Young not do reps than the XFL. And that's a problem. Some things just don't work. WrestleMania meeting Pigskin Classics, that just doesn't seem like a very good concoction. Finally, why does Russell Westbrook like picking fights with everyone? Is that just in his genetics, in his DNA? When he emerged from the birth canal, did the doctor greet him with the middle finger and that just engineered him to be pissed off at everyone around him at all times? Tuesdays, playing the Warriors. He gets ejected. He's against the Warriors, the worst team in the league. They're up 35 in the fourth quarter, and he's getting mad at rookies. What is wrong with this man? He walks over and taunts Clay Thompson. He's talking smack to an injured player. Rather than face the facts, he's getting testy with the man who's recovering from a torn ACL. Look, I know he plays hard, but just look at his history. Fought with the Warriors bench. Fought with the Suns bench. Fought with Utah fans. Fought with Denver fans. Fought with his own fans. Fought with the media. Fought with Durant. Fought with Oprah. Okay, I made that last one up, but it really wouldn't shock me if a report comes out saying that Oprah and Westbrook have a tiff because Westbrook talks smack about the book she nominated for a book club. I remember when I was in college, my friend was dating this girl, who shall not be named, and all he talked about was how she was surrounded by so many toxic people. Her mom is toxic. Her roommates are toxic. Her other friend's toxic. Her dog is toxic. There's so many toxic people that are surrounding her, and she's just this pure soul who never does anything wrong. And we had to sit down with him one night over Little Caesars and say, hey, are you sure she's not the toxic one? If everybody else around you is bad and you're the good one, does that not seem like a skewed perspective? If everybody else in the world is wrong and Russell Westbrook is right, are we sure we're looking at this through the same lens? Maybe he's just the toxic one. We now shift to what matters this week, which for everyone who watches sports, you know that Houston cheated. Everybody knows and everyone's pissed off. This is probably the most disgraceful thing in baseball since Ricky Henderson openly denied tipping a waitress at a Hooters in Kansas City. True story. That's how bad it is. There's people coming around saying they're denying it, that it's just like the steroids epidemic. When I respond to that saying, no, everyone was on steroids. Everybody was. Everybody was injecting themselves before at bats. Everybody in the league. Everybody did not have cameras in the outfield like Houston did. Everybody did not have electronic devices attached to their bodies. So when people say, oh, it's just like the steroid epidemic, no, that was 30 teams. This is one. That was testosterone and HGH injected into every male body. This is cameras and technology just attached to 25 guys all wearing the same uniform. Rob Manford, the commissioner, is really making a case for the worst human in sports at the moment. Goodell is hated. Everybody hates him in the NFL. Silver's a pinhead who ticks off people in China. 
but Manfred's a yutz calling his trophy a piece of metal and then saying that players shouldn't be punished and then coming out and apologizing afterwards and then not sure what his PR statement is going to be. This guy should just take a pill and sit down. Players are also getting mad, and that's where the inferno lies. Current players, prospective players, former players who are on the verge of Hall of Fame careers, even current Hall of Famers are upset about this. David Ortiz came out and quoted about how upset he was that the man who ratted them out is not taking any flack, saying, I'm mad at this guy. The pitcher that came out talking about it, and let me tell you why. After you make your money, after you get your ring, then you decide to talk about it, why don't you talk about it during the season when it was going on? Why don't you say, I don't want to be any part of this? Now he's a snitch, you know what I mean? And then people are getting mad at Ortiz saying, how dare you say that, sir? That pitcher was a saint. You take that back. And then Twitter breaks because someone else says something. And then someone says something back to that person. And then someone says something about that something. And then someone else says something else about something. And then we all burn down our houses in hysteria. Baseball has a problem. We all know this. And they're going to have an even bigger problem when the Angels have 10-cent beer night on opening weekend. And an Anaheim pitcher decides to take a headshot at Alex Bregman during opening week. And the bench is clear and managers are screaming. That's the chaos we're facing. Baseball is on the brink of collapsing. Which brings us to this. People cheat all the time. This isn't anything new. Marion Jones, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Pete Rose, Richard Nixon, Benedict Arnold, Loretta Brown from Family Guy. People are naturally dishonest. And it's somewhat funny that all of a sudden, everybody is mad and shocked about cheating in baseball. Hello, McFly, this isn't anything new. The highlights of baseball are all lowlights. Just look back at its history. You've got A-Rod taking steroids. No, I didn't take steroids. Okay, I did. Your greatest arguable best player, Barry Bonds, just rubbed some cream and then was exiled to Tampa Bay. You've got Sosa McGuire injecting the home run race. You've got Pete Rose betting on his own team. You've got Babe Ruth. Who knows where we're going to start there, whether it's the alcoholism or the women. I don't even know where to start. Your biggest story in the history of baseball is the 1919 Black Sox for infamously throwing the World Series. That's the most popular story you've ever come up with. So this isn't anything new. We talk about how... This is a travesty. People cheating? How dare you? That's what this sport is littered with. I really believe baseball manufactures dishonesty to make it relevant. Because in all reality, subjective strike zones and doubleheaders in Arlington in July sure aren't buzzing the ratings at all. Thanks for listening to Brands Making New. We'll definitely be back next week. Unlike John Beeline, maybe Tupac's Thug's Mansion isn't the best walk-up song to play at practice.